0: Hello Liturgy Guy listeners, this is your host Jesse Weiler and we have a new episode for you This is episode 1 of season 2 of the Liturgy Guys And we are talking about the Supreme Liturgist Who is the Supreme Liturgist and who are other liturgists in the liturgy And we are so excited to announce that we have a sponsor for this episode And uh, to tell us a little more about this episode, Dennis, who's our sponsor?
1: Our sponsor for this episode and an upcoming episode is Conrad Schmidt Studios up in the Milwaukee area. It's actually New Berlin, Wisconsin. And you know, the sponsorship supports our scholarship fund, so we're very happy to have it. And uh, I've worked with Conrad Schmidt myself. Uh, You may have heard of the John Paul II Chapel here on our campus where we commissioned 18 brand new stained glass windows that they made um, from scratch. And they do a number of things like that. They make stained glass windows. They conserve uh, historic stained glass windows. They also paint and do conservation on historic churches. And I've worked with Heidi Emery, who's the president there. She's the sweetest lady. And every time I ask her for help, She's incredibly gracious, and working with them was such a pleasure. They're really one of the leaders in the field of stained glass and uh, church his- and historic preservation. Nice. We take our students up there every summer, is that correct? And- yeah, whenever the students are interested, they take us through the, the studio, and we see them putting stained glass windows together. When we were working on the stained glass windows, you know, Father Barron, then now Bishop Barron, Went up there and we saw the windows in process, and from the the very initial sketches through the cartoon stage, which is the full size drawing.
0: Cartoon stage. That's what it's called. A cartoon. <laughs> it's a full size. I just imagine like St. Patrick with like a thought bubble that says like "Get out of here, snakes!" Right. Or <laughs> Wiley Coyote falling
1: <laughs> off a cliff. No, no. The cartoons are the full size drawings before they actually put it into glass, and then the lead putting them together, and then finally delivery. And you know, we have a we have a sponsor, which is great, but I'm more happy that we have a sponsor who I really am happy to recommend. Every time I've worked with them, they've just been really great to work with and their their artistic products are quite high in quality.
0: So. If you are looking to uh, do some remodeling on your church or you know a priest that is looking to get some work done, uh, please look at Conrad Schmidt. And Dennis, where can they find information about it?
1: Well, the website is conradschmidt.com, and Schmidt's a little hard to spell. Their version of it is S-C-H-M-I-T-T, so C-O-N-R-A-D, Conrad Schmidt, S-C-H-M-I-T-T.com.
0: All right, so without further ado, episode one of season two of The Liturgy Guys. Enjoy. Enjoy. Am I supposed to say they're they're here? They're back? It's a, it's they're here, isn't it? They're, they're back. back. That's what they say in the poltergeist? The poltergeist. Yes. The little girl watching the TV. Come on. So you got to go find that. I thought, I thought uh, I've seen it. I, I thought she said they're here. Nope.
1: No. They're back. Oh, so we're back. back. That's right. You millennials don't even know where that comes from. <laughs> Apparently, it's from a movie called The Poltergeist, which I have seen. No, no, no. Just poltergeist. No, the. Okay. poltergeist. I'm already epic failing this. <laughs> but it does have the word geist in it. it
0: geist. Yeah, and
2: Chris, you said that somebody your father-in-law calls you a littergeist? No, my uncle. Your uncle. It, a okay. littergeist. What's a littergeist? A littergeist? I don't know. Like maybe like a poltergeist is a scary type of person who goes around haunting liturgical churches and things like that. It's a disparaging uh, appellation for liturgy types. Oh, okay. So are you a liturgist? (laughs) Well, uh, only uh, uh, by analogy. Only by analogy. Do you know – what's that well, I was gonna say maybe we should start another podcast called the liturgy geists the liturgy Geists. <laughs> yeah well this one is about the uh, um, uber Geist uh, Jesus himself I just looked up polter it's the old German
1: word that means to create a disturbance mm-hmm. so a poltergeist is a so, ghost sounds like a liturgy ghost is where, we get, uh, geist is where we get the word ghost from but it means spirit that causes a disturbance however Chris what about zeitgeist we, that's we, the spirit we, of the age spirit yeah, of the age. That means, yeah. Um, but
2: Christ is not a poltergeist is no, he he's a christ a guy he's the opposite of that <laughs> he's the super liturgist right so okay he, and he's the ultimate liturgy guy okay it okay to call jesus just a guy no i don't i feel not. slightly offended the yeah. liturgy I god i suppose i can he's christ. the liturgy god but liturgists sometimes uh if you all will permit me uh what i hope will be somewhat entertaining of a, of a joke liturgists wait people is make, this people make jokes about is this is like the, the
0: liturgy joke There's
1: like like the
0: liturgy joke. No, no, no.
1: What's the difference between. No, let's (laughs) not even go there. Okay anyway if you wanna, don't know the joke send a liturgy question to the. Liturgy yeah no, send us liturgy jokes send oh, yeah, us liturgist awesome. jokes we'll pick the not, best one
0: but not that j-
1: liturgy joke no. can we all all right. offer them a free liturgical institute t-shirt if we pick their liturgy joke
0: if you tell us a good liturgy joke that does not involve terrorism we will send you a liturg- liturgical institute t-shirt
2: yes right. and it's awesome. pretty awesome yeah here i'll set the bar very low okay. with this joke okay we'll take so, your t-shirt back from now <laughs> all right let's go Chris. so a liturgist an architect and a surgeon were one day reading the first uh, verses of the book of genesis if they to see if they could discover what god was like all right so they're reading and reflecting the first one to speak up was the surgeon he said you know it seems to me god is most like a surgeon because in the beginning there was chaos but god made this order and like at the ha- with the hand of a skilled surgeon he opened adam's side and drew out eve the mother of all the li- just like a surgeon so god seems Sliced most like that open. from chaos to to life and they thought that sounded pretty good, and they thought a little bit more. And the architect was next. Dennis, you'll appreciate this. So the architect says, you know, you make a good point, my, my uh, uh, surgeon friend, but to me, God seems most like an architect because as you rightly say in the beginning, there was chaos and confusion and nothingness, and then God made order out of the whole thing. This is what an architect does. Is he takes piles of, uh, of bricks and stones and wood and whatnot, and he makes order, so God seems most like an architect. In the beginning was chaos, and then there came order. So I thought about that for a little bit. And then all of a sudden the liturgist said, aha, but who made the chaos? Okay, oh, it's not that bad. <laughs> The liturgist? The liturgist, yeah. Ah, because at the oh, beginning there oh. was chaos in the first place, and that's what a liturgist does is creates a chaos. <laughs> okay, sorry, Chris. I was actually checking audio levels while you were talking. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Be, <laughs> and, <laughs>
1: and I was I was really thinking about how most architects don't bring order out of chaos. They just build more chaos. <laughs> chaos yeah. out of chaos. Oh, man. But we're, this is often... But the, I hear somebody laughing
2: far away. Yeah. We can yeah. put a yeah.
0: lab jack in. At, yeah, oh, yeah. Actually, you should do that. Call? Do you have one of those? Yeah.
2: Okay, okay, good. But liturgists often get a bad rap because they make... Chaos. They make confusion. The liturgy is supposed to be, you know, the ultimate uh, cosmetic and order and beauty and everything. But too often, uh, liturgists are blamed. Well, that's for the perception, it. right? That, that's the perception. Yeah,
0: that you, they're uh, stubborn and and they're hard to work with, and everything they want is uh, about minutia and things like that. That's mm. what that's what the perception is.
2: Yeah. So I thought maybe we could get to the bottom of uh, who is a liturgist. Who is Shall the we, liturgist? We should start with you said the uber liturgist the right? uber liturgist yeah well what is the word do you remember what the word liturgy means you were going to say com- uber is, and I was like <laughs> well it's like this new app where you can like yeah, get, yeah. you can get You're things so on millennial. demand
0: liturgy on demand uber liturgy yeah Yeah. do you remember what the, what it means liturgist uh, yes it means work done on behalf of the people
2: right can I it, tell
0: you what most people think it is <laughs> the work of the people that's right You're but welcome. it's also
2: about work yeah. of the people as well right isn't it well yeah, it, is. it is yeah okay so what's it's a greek word right Yes. What did it mean in Greek culture? Who, who, uh, who would be called a liturgist in- human, uh, This is a
0: throwback uh, to season it, one, episode one, if you wanna to listen to that. Garbage collectors.
2: Garbage, people who That's did
0: work on bad, right. so teachers, people who worked for the public good. Right, yeah, exactly.
2: Soldiers, entertainers, garbage Politicians, collectors. Politicians. Yeah, they sometimes. were liturgists, <laughs> oh, they were the liturg- liturgists, okay. Um, Donald Trump is a liturgist. Well, in the, in the classical term, yes. Oh, Donald my Trump goodness. is You heard liturgist. it here first, folks. Okay. He's, he's president liturgy guy. Right whether they do right. it well or not as a separate question of course whether of they're course. doing it so all right so uh when jesus comes along in the letter to the hebrews they use the term liturgist for him All right, so this is a letter to the Hebrews, chapter 8, verses 1 and 2 and 6. So just listen to this. The main point of what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a liturgist of the sanctuary, and of the true tabernacle set up by the Lord. Now he has obtained so much more excellent a liturgy as he is mediator of a better covenant. Hmm. So the question is. Why does the author to the letter to the Hebrews, whoever that is, uh, call Jesus the liturgist? Don't the they liturgist. call him a minister in some of the uh, translations? They say a minister. Of the yeah, Holy that's Poly- that's a translation, yeah. but the 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 Greek uh, is uh, is these terms because uh, uh, he's doing work on behalf of the people of God. Right. Okay. So Jesus then is the ultimate super liturgist.
0: Ultimate super liturgy. Duh. Duh, 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 duh. All right, let's <laughs> monster trunks. Un- unpack that a little. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Sunday. Liturgy, liturgy. liturgy,
1: liturgy, liturgy. There
0: you
2: go. <laughs> All right, so explain more about uh, that, Dennis. He's doing this work on behalf of the people. Well, I would suppose Christ is pleading
1: and offering. That's what priests do. So. Vatican II speaks of the liturgy as the exercise of the priestly office of Jesus Christ, which means he pleads for the people, and he offers himself and their prayers and petitions. And so that, in a sense, is the work of glorifying God and having the people be sanctified. Praises God, too, with his perfect offering. Is, yeah. he, is he right?
2: Uh, he's, uh, well,
1: where's my bell? He's, I need my bell. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't go away. I'm getting the bell. Keep talking.
2: Yeah. He, we, we need a bell. He's, he's approaching the right answer. Okay. He's got, uh, isn't there a meatloaf song, One Out of Three Ain't Bad? Oh, I
1: don't. don't I only know two like yes. two
2: meatloaf answers, and one of them is about love. So, oh, okay, yeah. uh, he's uh, he's a third right, but there's there's two other there's two other elements that uh, need to go into his uh, answer. Oh. What are yeah. they? Well, if the first one is priest, there's two more: prophet and king. Right.
0: Boom! Give me a dunk. All right, good. Need that. So uh, his
2: his, uh, work. So liturgy is a laos and an ergon, and laos means people, like where we get laity and the country of laos. (laughs) Well, maybe and a single lice. All right. Yeah, I do remember this. Okay. Laos, Yeah. Okay. And uh, the second, this ergon is the work, and so the work that he does is priestly, and it's prophetic, and it's kingly. So. Like Dennis said, I mean the ultimate of this work and kind of the, the, the key office is this priestly offering and mediation to God the Father on behalf of the louse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but why, why? That's pretty lousy. Chris. Yeah, it is lousy. <laughs> well, why are we lousy? Why are the we're why are lousy. the laity lousy? Because
1: we're fallen. I'm sorry, right. I
0: just
2: got that joke. That's yeah, great. Right? I, I love pay it. attention, Jesse. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah. Right. So that's the context too. Is well, why does why is Jesus doing it on our behalf? Why don't you just do it? Because we can't.
1: That's something Cardinal Ratzinger oh. makes a point that, like all throughout history that everybody tries to, to placate some kind of angry God and they can never do it right. There's no perfect worship. There's always some human frailty. Offering's never good enough. God's always angry. There's some kind of destruction. But the key thing about Christ is he does it for us.
2: Yeah, well, and in addition to our own failings though, sometimes we just didn't want to do it. I mean, our, our Adam and Eve, they, for, they just chose not to do it. They decided they, they, they abandoned this privilege they had of... Uh, of Adam and Eve. Uh. <laughs> of honoring and Not worshiping ringing bell and praising, for them. yeah praising god and What's, so somebody else had them to, a buzzer the the somewhere in the catechism it talks about that's the that's the reverse side of the good news that's the bad news so if you don't know the bad news you can't understand the good news which is jesus coming to perform this work of prophet priest and king on behalf of the laity right and so these three offices together so the catechism will say at 10 uh, 1070 this is right at the beginning of uh, the Oh, yeah, Catechism
0: 1070. Yeah, I'm very familiar with that paragraph. Yeah,
2: go ahead. What is this? Why don't you just, why don't you dive in and I'll just confirm that you're right. In the New Testament, the word liturgy refers not only to the celebration of divine worship, but also to the proclamation of the gospel and to active charity. So these three things that Jesus did to proclaim the good news of the kingdom, to heal, to feed, to serve, to comfort and console, that's his kingly office, as well as his offering of the sacrifice, these constitute Jesus's work, and this is his liturgical mission. Consequently, then, the letter of the Hebrews calls him the liturgist, and John Paul II will call him the, the liturgist as well, because he does these things uh, for us. And he does them perfectly, right? Even if we aren't good at it. That, that, that's
1: such an important thing, I think, for us to realize that Christ is doing the perfect worship. But because we're members of the body, we get to do it too. The hand can't really do what the what the head can do. But the hand is doing that worship. So you're joined to the head. You um, you have this perfect worship of the Father. Even if oh, the, you're, you're not getting somewhere here. Either. Well, so oh, if Jesus is
2: the uber liturgist, <laughs> he's the ultimate liturgist. Who is kind of the secondary liturgist? Who's no. the assistant? The liturgist pope. Or the, nah, the priest. No. Partly, partly, partly. The priest the people. And the people. You were saying it. The priest and the people, the mystical body of Christ. Yes. Okay. So, again, catechism. I did that wrong on purpose to teach our <laughs> listeners, just so you know. In a liturgical celebration, the church and the servant in the image of her Lord, the one lighter ghost, she shares in his priesthood, which is prophetic and kingly. So, the church herself is, the mystical body of Christ, is also a liturgist because she performs the work of Jesus teaching, governing, sanctifying through priestly mediation on behalf of the entire world. So she becomes a liturgist And as I think well. that's
1: something people often forget. They just say, well, Jesus went away and then a bunch of people are doing this Jesus stuff and keeping it going, sort of like a corporate CEO keeps the previous CEO's work going. But it's really not that. The logic is all of Christ's authoritative priestly and kingly power is given to the church. It's Christ's operation on earth and it's the job of the church to do all that stuff, to really do that what is the church jesse
2: uh well I, we tell are the me more church. about the, wait, the church. <laughs> okay now you're getting to the third point yeah. so if jesus is the ultimate liturgist and his work continues in the mystical body of christ which is a liturgist every single and solitary cell of that body is also a liturgist
0: the the part is also the part of the whole i guess so yeah. <laughs> fractal what is is spectre fractal there's a phrase again. there the sum of the, the sum of all what? greater than the
2: sum of the parts
0: yeah, that's not, I mean, that's what it is, but that doesn't apply here. Sorry. Right.
2: Let me but, lay on you the, thir- the third quote here from okay. the catechism. Go ahead. It says that. Uh, in the celebration of the sacraments, it is the whole assembly that is Gos, each according to his own function, but in the unity of the Spirit who acts in all. So every single person, baptized person, who makes up the mystical body of Christ is himself a liturgist. So uh, our mentor, Dr. Fagerberg, would talk about Mrs. Murphy is the liturgist. You remember talking about this, Dennis? Well, yeah, but he got that from Aiden Kavanaugh, I believe, Mrs. Murphy. Yeah, I think Aiden Kavanaugh. Yeah, Aiden. Yeah, it was Nichols?
1: No, not no Aiden, that's, that's a different Aiden Kavanaugh. Oh, but now the invention that you mention that, did you read that one about? <laughs> was Taylor an article or a book, Chris?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so why is Mrs. Murphy a liturgist?
1: <laughs> I think, if I remember right, um, Dr. Fagerberg was picking up on Aiden Kavanaugh's notion that people think liturgists are liturgy professionals. They're the people who make the choices and the bulletins and the musicians and all that. And so the rest of the people just sit around. But liturgists are people who do liturgy. So the difference between a liturgist who does liturgy, who prays, and a liturgiologist is one who studies liturgy. It's kind of like, I I used to say, a swimmer is one who swims, a swimologist. is one who who studies studies swimming. swimming. And we wouldn't just say everybody who's swimming uh, isn't really swimming just because they're not professional studiers of swimming. But liturgy Mm -hmm. is done by Christ and Christ's membership is priests and people together. All right. So say more about how
2: Mrs. Murphy does this liturgical work. She's just what's her job description.
1: She's regular Mrs. Murphy just means, you know, think your mother or grandmother in the pew. She responds to the priest. She offers herself. She receives the Eucharist. She supports the life of the church. She's worshiping and offering and living
2: a prophetic life and a kingly life and leadership. Bingo. Yeah. Right? So her job description is to be a priest and a prophet and a king. She, she has to offer herself and all the intentions of the world uh, along with Christ the high priest on the altar. She has to go out and do prophetic work of proclaiming the good news and teaching about the kingdom. She has to do kingly work of serving uh, her neighbors, her family, her friends, uh, her country, whatever it is. And she does this on behalf of the whole world for God's glory and sanctification of all things. That, in her little way. Is in that, her own little way. Is that why we
0: have um, the priests in Persona Christi? Because we need Christ there, and then we also need the church to be able to have the full liturgy?
2: Well, that certainly is a fuller expression, right? So the priest has his own part in the mystical body. We say that the priest is working in the person of Christ, the head, in mm-hmm. persona Christi Capitis. And the rest of us, uh, kind of in the body of the ch- of the church building, are really the body of the church as well. And so we have, you know, and just you can't have a body without a head and have it survive. You can't have a head without a body. Well, so just you have to have both of Ichabod these things. Crane. Or St. Denis. He
1: had a, a body Saint without a head. Walked oh, around all the way from to Paris with his no head. But here's the thing, you know, there's this relationship between a pre-existing invisible spiritual reality. So Christ is pleading at the right hand of the Father. The souls in heaven are doing that as well. And we are doing that too. How do we know that Christ is doing this? How do we encounter that? We can just know it intellectually or we can experience it sacramentally. So the priest is set the sacrament of Christ. Uh, pleading at the right hand of the Father that we can see, hear, know, and listen to, and then we get to do it as well. And that's a really key thing about uh, people's baptismal dignity as baptismal priests. It doesn't mean they're the head, but it means that the members get to offer and be kings and... prophets too but in their way in relationship always to the head and then the priest has relationship to the bishop the bishop has a relationship to the pope pope has a relationship (laughs) to christ has a relationship to the father so
2: mrs murphy is part of this chain of relationship to god the father so think about in mass when the priest says pray brothers and sisters that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to god the almighty father so at that when he says that he's calling out to mrs murphy and you jesse and your Mm -hmm. kids and everybody else saying okay it's time for you to put that priestly sacrifice of yourself and all your prayers works joys and Sufferings into that chalice, so that I, as the head of this body, can offer it along with Jesus Christ to God the Father. I mean, that's that's actualizing that baptismal priesthood uh, in 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 a very high degree. Say everybody had a little cup of water,
1: and you want you wanted the water to be hot, and so you're the head of the thing. You put your cup in the microwave, and you say, "Anybody wants hot water? Give me your cup." And I'm putting (laughs) in the microwave. Everybody's microwave. Everybody's water gets hot by putting them their water in the microwave. So if you think of divinization or sanctification as a kind of like a spiritual microwave, making you holy, you have to put yourself in that sacrifice that the priest is offering. Well,
2: even think about, this has a number of interpretations, but when the priest or the deacon prepares the chalice, he pours the wine in, and uh, many interpret this, this is, the, this is a, a Christ, okay? Uh, but then he p- pours in a little bit of water, and he says this prayer, um, what is the prayer? I don't know. I've never heard the, him the, say uh, it. Uh, By the mystery of this water, water and, wine, and wine, may we come to share in the divinity of Christ who humbled himself to share in yeah, our humanity. humanity, and so this is what Saint Augustine calls this divine exchange: is that God gives us the power to become gods, and we, generous people that we are, give God the power to die.
1: Well, well, <laughs> of course, yeah, we, yeah, we have the power the to become
2: gods. You're, you're welcome, welcome. I'll Jesus. be Mercury. But You'll yeah, be Zeus. Yeah, don't mention it. <laughs> but think about <laughs> that. The next time you see that water being poured into the chalice, think of that. You know what you're talking about, Dennis, about the hot water in the microwave. What the priest is doing is pouring you commingling you with jesus and your sacrifices with that of jesus so that you can become divine like him so so there's some ex
1: operato going on there right by the work done this is happening but if the people in the pews are indifferent bored not wanting it then it might not happen it might not happen to them so the more they know and will their their themselves to be given for glorification
2: that more yeah i mean this would be, it could be this in itself would be a good podcast how do you get your heart up into that chalice, you know. What's a practical way to do? Call some Aztecs. But, but I mean, you're right. No, I mean, we'll think just let about, somebody else do that. I guess. thing about you know the priest standing at, the, at that altar and he's looking out in his assembly, and I mean, how do you tell? Uh, but imagine if you had every single person in there, hundred people, three hundred people, thousand people, everyone actively putting their own selves. Pouring their, their, their love into that chalice. Think of the transformative power that Christ could affect in the lives of individual people. But we can never do that because we can never perfectly do it. Is that, isn't that the other right. part of it? Yeah, well, you can't do it perfectly, but you could do it imperfectly. You know, I wonder, Christ does it perfectly for you. Well, that's just, I mean, I've been to Mass many times where I haven't done it at all. I've been thinking about yeah, it. This, that, that that mass, Chris, yeah, I was at that Mass, Christmas, You remember that? You looked really bored. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it takes work. I mean, so this air part is work, not just on behalf of Jesus. I mean, liturgy is not a spectator sport. It's, it's, a, it's something that everybody has to work at. And so, uh, and it takes a lot of work to be able to offer your whole self uh, up there on the altar. But you could say without
1: Christ, it's, it's impossible. It's really impossible. So, you, as members of the mystical body, you're part, of, you're part of what Christ is doing. What happens to him happens to you if you say yes to God and let your will, love, heart, and self be part of that process. So now that you
0: guys know this, you should be able to send us some pretty decent liturgy jokes. Uh, well, that's <laughs> – just be careful. Remember when you're making a liturgist <laughs> joke,
2: the ultimate liturgist is Jesus Christ himself who's carrying on this work on behalf of the whole church. so He's taking you with him. So you can send Father. us your liturgiologist jokes, and those will that's, probably be funny. Yeah, we'll take those. Yeah. We'll take those. All right. Well,
0: I think it's probably time to answer a liturgy, liturgiologist question. Liturgiology question. question.
1: Oops. Right. Sorry. That was a lame ring. That's a lame ring too. Okay, that's
0: better. Less lame, nice. All right, let's do it. So
2: why go to the liturgical institute? Well, if you wanna serve the church and do liturgical studies from the heart of the church, you won't find any place quite like this. This place is faithful to the magisterium, but it's a dynamic orthodoxy, not dry. And at the same time, it not only makes the faith come alive, it also empowers you to help that be the experience for others as well. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Hahn, and I want to warmly recommend the Liturgical Institute for your consideration. Pray about going and studying and sharing the richness of our living tradition.
1: Mail call! Mail call! Oh, Moses, Moses, why do you question me? Why do you care? Today, we have a similar debate over this. Anyone know what this is, class? Anyone?
0: All right, this week we have a question from Teresa, and Teresa says, Hello, exclamation point. Hello, Teresa, exclamation Ah. point, exclamation point. Chris? Hi. Okay, great. (laughs) I have loved listening to your podcast since it was recommended at the Young Adult Liturgy Conference last month. Oh, by the way, we got this email a while back. (laughs) Um, I currently work at a parish, and someone brought up the idea of using a teaching mass to help parishioners understand and enter into mass more deeply. Is this permitted? And then she says, of course, I also want people to understand the mass, but my gut feeling is that it takes away from the sacredness of the mass if the priest is constantly explaining things. Uh, So, what do you say, Chris? Dennis?
2: Trust your gut on this
1: one. Yeah. Doesn't Vatican II say the rights should be not, usually not need much explanation?
2: Uh, usually. Right.
1: So the rights themselves are meant to be self evident,
2: right? Yeah, but there is a lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot of formation, intellectual and human formation and other types, spiritual formation that, uh, that is necessary to uh, to understand what's going on. Um, but the Mass is not a teaching tool. It's not ma- – Aidan Kavanaugh says something, the Mass shouldn't be used for uh, ulterior motives such as education. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of harsh. Well, but it's true. I mean, what Mass is meant is to worship and glorify God and sanctify yourself along the way. Now, uh, part of that is knowing, and so there is a knowledge component, but uh, Mass isn't to have this overly didactic – um, character to it uh, teaching about mass okay so wh- where do people get taught about the mass well one is perhaps uh, before the mass or outside the mass um, and opportunities like that should be made available oh, But like if, uh Know, the liturgical Institute. For example, for example. Uh, or, Wink. I mean, what, what the priest or deacon can do during the homily as well is he can preach on any text in the Mass. And so a uh, father could give a, a homily on the Sanctus or on uh, kneeling. So he could do like a series, like every Sunday, a different aspect of the mass. Sure, sure. But again, it wouldn't be a a simple look it up in a book. uh, It would be kind of a, a spiritual, mystagogical insight to, you know, we kneel because this develops in us a spiritual orientation of humility before God, or whatever it might be. So that period during the homily can and should be used to help to form people to but celebrate.
1: Let's settle the question. Oh, yeah. There is such a thing
2: as a commentator, and it is permitted, right? Chapter yeah, But that's, that's not uh, – I don't think the commentator that's mentioned in the general instruction at number 105B, 105B – uh should be invoked here to give instructions now it th- this position as far as i can understand it grew out of uh, a time when the mass was in latin and it was more foreign to participants to help them to to aid uh, it, their participation uh but it, i don't think the mind of the church sees that position as giving various Was well, the
0: priest the commentator
2: no no this, this is the says so it,
1: let me tell you what it says it says the Commentator provides the faithful, when appropriate, with brief explanations and commentaries, with the purpose of introducing them to the celebration, preparing them to understand it better. Mm. Like the remark should be remarks should be meticulously prepared and clear, though brief. Uh, and then it says they should face the people and not stand in the ambo. So clearly, oh, sure. not proclamation of scripture. So So versus
0: Populum, got it.
1: Yeah, they are definitely, well, that's who they're talking to. Now, the question is, when does this become helpful and when does this become
2: distracting? distracting? And how, if they're supposed to be brief, how... How brief? Well, and how helpful can that be then? You know, if you want to teach your kid what to do during the offertory, can you you get that done in 30 seconds? I don't know. This sounds to me like... We could do it in 10. Hopeful thinking of the
1: liturgical movement that didn't really turn out to be very helpful in the long run or Mm -hmm. necessary. But there are such things as teaching masses. Sometimes they're dry masses. Where they don't what really, does that mean? That means they're not actually confecting no alcohol. the Eucharist, <laughs> but they're uh, walking through it, and then,
2: then they actually do stop and explain things along the way. That could be a good option. I remember explaining uh, the sacrament of baptism, kind of a dry baptism in a certain sense, <laughs> to, to the kids about yeah, this. Very word. dry I, baptism. Yeah, very dry. Uh, yeah, and we walked through the rite and looked at the prayers and did a little mystagogical insight the, the whole time. So. All right. Hey, so in the end, what's the answer to the question? No, but no. but no, that's the answer. Yeah, no, but uh, no. Uh, find some other uh, outlet to to do the formation,
0: or Probably or more not. like really. That's kind of my answer. That's
2: really, that's not an answer.
0: I know that's why else. I like it. All right. All right, Teresa. I'm sorry that I surmised that answer in the most inappropriate way possible. But uh, trust your gut is what Chris says. And if you want to ask us a liturgy question, you can email us at questions at Thank you, and God bless. Really?
1: <laughs> the Liturgy Guys is produced by the Liturgical Institute. If you like what you've heard today, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And be sure to check out liturgicalinstitute.org to discover more about our degree programs, public events, and publications. Refresh your soul and renew the church at what Bishop Robert Barron calls one of the very best places in the country to receive formation in the Catholic liturgical tradition. Now that's a podcast.